It's great to be here. Uh, uh, Jane and I had a good time away last weekend, but uh, it's great to be always back here. So, uh, my name's Glenn. I'm one of the pastors here at Heritage. I'd like to welcome all of you, certainly, but especially those of you who may be visiting with us as one of our guests. Uh, we trust you'll enjoy your time. And I also want to, just before we begin, uh, announce to you that we have a new children's ministry director. Uh, we've been going through the process and um, as a staff and then with our personnel committee and uh, have finalized that and I want to introduce to you Stephanie Uffelman. There she is as our new children's ministry director. Stephanie, you were going to come up and say something, weren't you? No, I just, no. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that. She says, I don't have to say anything, do I? And uh, said, no, not here, down the hallway. You can say all you want. In fact, you, you need to say a lot. And Beth, uh, thank you for your years and uh, your prayers have been answered and that God has provided somebody to replace your four years, wasn't it? Almost four years of ministry with our children. So you be praying for Stephanie. She's going to jump right in and be at it and um, take the opportunity. If you don't know Stephanie, I know if you're a children's worker or if you're a parent with children down in that end of the hallway, you know Stephanie, and uh, we're thankful for God's direction there. And, and I came across an article in my study and reading uh, this week, more Americans than ever are volunteering, according to a new federal study, actually came out uh, the end of last year, 2018, but the 2018 Volunteering in America report is what it was called, 2018 Volunteering in America report. You say, I'm not sure I ever knew there was such a thing. Hey, there are reports. Just go online. You can find whatever you want. But they found that 77, just over 77 million people, adults, in 2018 volunteered. That's about 30% of the population. They volunteered through some kind of an organization. And altogether in 2018, all of those volunteers volunteered, they put in about 6.9 billion, yes, billion hours worth an estimated $167 million. Wow. Volunteering, that's an amazing thing. Now they go on to say millions more are supporting friends and family and doing favors for their neighbors, suggesting that many more than the 77 million are engaged in acts of informal volunteering. And the CEO of that corporation that puts all this out said this, the fabric of our nation is strengthened by the service of its volunteers. When we stand side by side to help others, our differences fade away and we learn that Americans have more in common than we realize. Each and every day, ordinary Americans are stepping up to support their fellow citizens to help with needs both great and small 
because they understand the power service has to change communities and lives for the better. Now, I'm reading that, and volunteering is on my mind, and you'll hear why in just a minute. And, and I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking of Scripture, and it just hit me, and I just replaced some words. And so here's what I uh, just changed a little bit. The fabric, think about it this way, the fabric of our church is strengthened by the service of its volunteers. When we stand side by side to help others, our differences fade away, and we learn that our church family has more in common than we realize. Each and every day, ordinary people from heritage are stepping up to support their brothers and sisters to help with needs both great and small because they understand the power service has to change our church and its people for the better. I'm like, that's exactly the way it works. When we serve, when we volunteer, listen, Heritage could not function if you, the church, did not volunteer your time, your effort, your energy, your abilities, your resources, your money, yourselves. We, we would cease to, to function as a church. Now, we'd still be the church because we're believers, but if you didn't serve, if you didn't volunteer, if we didn't follow God's plan for the church, it, it, it couldn't happen because we need you. We need one another. And in this day of independence, we sometimes think that's not true. I'm good all by myself. You may think so, but God's word doesn't say so. We need each other, and Heritage needs your volunteering. Greeters met you at the door this morning, I hope, as one of the doors you came in. The Welcome Center is functioning. Volunteers are there. Children's check-in was busy. The nursery are taking care of some of your babies. Heritage Kids is functioning. The bathrooms are clean. Floors are vacuumed. Trash cans are empty. Classrooms are in use this morning. All because a number of you volunteered. We have our facilities team functioning. Entering into its third quarter. And uh, just a few slots left to go. You folks that have been part of the facilities team are keeping this church moving in every way. We had music and worship this morning. The TV screens have my notes. Yes, see, I know they do. You, you can hear me. We, could, we took an offering this morning. We had people to take that offering. Coffee will be available in the family room after the service all because of volunteers. Our building is warm. Now, that might be, for some of you, a relative thing, right? You, you may not feel warm, but hey, the heat is on. 
The lights are on. There's running water in the bathrooms, and that's a good thing, right? Um, we have a repaired and improved parking lot. And if you didn't notice, drive around the back and see all that's done. Our buildings and grounds guys really took that, and, and the project is done, and we're in great shape for the winter. But that, a new and improved or an improved parking lot, you have internet on your phone or tablet right here in the auditorium if you need it. All because of volunteers who opened their wallet and put money in the offering. We're doing Operation Christmas Child. We're almost having given out 300 boxes, folks. Right, Aaron? What did you tell me? 200 and... 225, 75 more boxes to go, folks. So get your box while they're still there and then get them all packed up. But we're doing Operation Christmas Child. We had a ladies' conference right here a few weeks back. We had a men's retreat a few weeks back. Awana was in session this past Wednesday night. We participated in the Abington Fall Fun Day a couple of weeks ago. We're hosting Heritage Christmas in a month in order to reach people who don't know Jesus, all because of volunteers. That's you. And in the context of this local church and others like it around the world, volunteering is what we call serving. It's what we call serving because we have people, you, who are serving, giving of your time and yourselves and your finances and all that's involved. We are able to carry on the ministry here at Heritage. When you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, for those of you who are serving and know Jesus, you received at least one God-given ability to serve. We call that a spiritual gift. Some of you may have more than one, but you've been given a special God-given ability to serve, to use within the ministry of this church for the glory of God. And that God-given spiritual gift means that you have an amazing ability to serve God. And let me say this. With that ability comes the guarantee of success. Did you realize that? Giftedness means fruit. Now, that might take a little while and as it develops in your life, but God will use you, God's plan for each believer who he has gifted with a special ability to serve. He will use you to accomplish his plan in this church and in the lives of people that you come in contact with. If you're not serving, I have to tell you, you're living in disobedience to God. You're not being a steward of the ability that he's given you. You say, well, I didn't know I had that. Great. You know, hey, you, you know the best way to find out what your spiritual gift is, what your God-given ability is to get busy, do something, 
And when you do something, you'll find out what you enjoy and what you're good at. And you'll see the hand of God using you to get things done. You'll see God using you in the lives of people who are part of this church. The local church needs servants, willing and sacrificial servants. Listen, serving is never easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes the hours are long. Yes, volunteer service takes time and effort and energy. And sometimes it's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that again. But that's what it takes, the sacrifice. But there's a joy. There's a fruitfulness about it. And if we are to accomplish God's mission for the church as given to us in Matthew 28, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, we need you to serve and use the gifts that God's given you. Serving is what the ministry of deacons is all about. And we're wrapping up in the next week, 1 Timothy chapter 3, but serving is what the ministry of deacons is all about. I've got to tell you, this morning, this week, I've never been more excited about the service potential that exists in our deacons. That's right. That's, uh, and, and I've never been more excited than I am right now about the possibility, about the potential of what our deacons can accomplish for God. And that's because I think I understand like never before God's design for deacons in the local church. Selling Jane this last week, I don't ever remember having studied like I have the whole concept of what a deacon is and where does a deacon fit in and how does that all work. I think for too long I've been focused on what the role of deacons is not rather than what it is. And as we move forward and we're in that process, that nomination process, the voting will be in December 15th. Uh, I'm excited about what we're going to see happen as we move forward with a whole bunch of guys ready and willing to serve God at Heritage. Two weeks ago, I dealt with the question, who are these men we call deacons? We talked from 1 Timothy 3 about the character, the qualities that are necessary in those who are going to be a deacon. And I said that we must first understand what the Bible has to say about who they are before we could understand and know what they do. So would you please open your Bibles with me this morning to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, not 1 Timothy 3. We've been there and, and we'll continue to make reference, but in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And I want you to know this as we've talked about this, doing God's church God's way. That was our theme for 1 Timothy. Doing God's church God's way means that we must have qualified deacons who will serve the church by assisting the pastors. We will not be able to do God's church God's way without deacons. We won't. That's why they're in the Bible. That's why Paul talked to the church at Ephesus about it. That's why he mentioned that there are deacons as well in in Philippi and in Rome. 
But we must have deacons because that's God's plan for doing his church his way. And as we think about the role of deacons here in Acts chapter 6, the word deacon comes from the Greek word, and, and, and I'll just, diakonos, you hear the deacon in that, and that word means servant or minister or assistant. The title itself, deacon, is as descriptive as any job description could be. That's it. The word means servant. That's the job description. That's what deacons do. That's what the word means. We believe a deacon is one who serves the church by assisting the pastors. And as we saw in 1 Timothy 3, it is understood that his life and the ministry are marked by humble service and godly character. Now the word in its official sense, as we talk about a deacon or the office of the deacon, one of the what we call Baptist distinctives is that there are two offices. We believe there are two offices in the local church. There's the pastor, the elder, overseer, all the same guy, same, same word, same person, those three designations, pastor, elder, overseer, and the office of deacon. That's what we say is a distinctive of the Baptist church, of what we believe to be, and that's what we're talking, and that word used in its official capacity for the office of the deacon is used three or four times. Paul talks to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, and as he's greeting them, he, uh, he says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Uh, another one, and this is why when I said three or four, uh, the scholars are not agreed. Some say yes, some say no. But in Ro Romans chapter 16 and verse 1, Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church. Deacon is the way the NIV translates. Not everybody would agree that that's what that means. Some would say it was just a, a special way of serving at a special, unique time, and it wouldn't be necessarily a woman deacon. That's one of those things that we'll, we'll have to get to one of these days. And, and, but it's there as a word, whether you see it that way or not. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 12, in the same way deacons are, verse 8, a deacon must be, verse 12. So there it is. That's the word that's used in the office. Now, Acts 6 describes what many believe to be the first deacon ministry in the church. The church is still fairly long, young. If you go back to the end of Acts chapter 2 and see what happened on the day of Pentecost when the church started in Jerusalem and how there were some 3,000 people that responded to Peter's message and got saved. And then at the end of Acts chapter 2, it talks about how that church was together in one mind, in one spirit, and how they ate together and broke bread together and served together and praised God together and met from house to house and spent time. That's the church. Folks, that's why we say it's so critical that when, when you come to this building on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, that's not church. Don't say, I'm going to church. No, you're going to meet with the church. You're going to worship with the church. But this building is not the church. You say, okay, we've heard that before. I know, but it doesn't always sink in. 
I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about church. And um, it was, well, we're, we, we come to the first church service. But that's not church. That's a service of the meeting of the church. But the church is us gathering together. When you read the end of Acts chapter 2, you get that sense of a living, dynamic body, group, family of believers in one location, one geographical area. That's where we are today. We are gathered as the local church that we call heritage. And it is critical when it's not just about putting in your time. It's not just checking the box. I was there this morning. That's not church. That's meeting in the auditorium. The church is a body of believers that works together, that lives together, that worships together, that serves together. To fulfill God's mission. Now, not everybody believes here that in Acts 6, this is really, that, that we're talking about deacons. I want to read these verses for you. The, the more I've studied, and I was one who wasn't convinced, and I'm still yet not, but there are numerous individuals that have a whole lot greater understanding and knowledge than I do and believe that what we read in Acts 6 are deacons. I think at the least they certainly are used as a pattern or a model or a precursor as to how deacons should function in the church today. My struggle is that it doesn't say deacons. Um, it, that's not there. Well, but we read that the apostles who were functioning as pastors, it doesn't say pastor either. Those apostles, the 12, were functioning as pastors in the church in Jerusalem. And so follow with me as I start reading at Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the church was growing, the Hellenistic Jews, they were Greeks. All right, that's what that means. Greek Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews, Hebrew Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. So the Greek women who were Jews, Jewish, were being overlooked in the churches serving food to the widows. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew Jews, the widows, were being taken care of. Um, but in the daily distribution of food, there, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together um, and said, it would not be right, so the twelve apostles who were functioning as the pastors of the church in Jerusalem, so there it is, 
They gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, that's how we know they were functioning as pastors because they were ministering the Word of God to those believers, those disciples in that fairly new church in Jerusalem. They weren't even close to 200 years, let alone 50. I mean, this is just a few years. And so here it is. Um, verse 3, brothers and sisters, they said, the 12, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over them. What responsibility? Class? Waiting on the widows, right? Ministering to them. The 12 were trying to do that. The pastors were trying to do that, but they couldn't keep up. So they said, let's get seven men, let's appoint them, let's have them do the work so that we as pastors can continue to function and study the word and pray. That's, that's what the pastors are to do. That's part of their response, major part of their responsibility, their teaching and preaching responsibility. We'll turn this responsibility over to these seven men. Now, it is those seven men who many believe are deacons. They're not called that. The word is not used. And yet there are those who believe, but that's what they were. And I certainly believe that this is a pattern that was established in the church, that you had men that were there to serve God's people so that the pastors could give themselves to prayer and study of the word. And that's, where, that's how we use our deacons. That's what we believe our deacons are to do. And then they said, verse 4, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So there it is. That's what happens. Now, notice what, as they presented that to the people, verse 5, this proposal, and I don't have that on the screen, but this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen. You heard of Stephen. Go to the end of Acts chapter 7. Um, or eight, and, and you'll see what happened to Stephen. Quite a story. But a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the body of believers found seven men among them, as the pastors suggested. They did that. They brought them to the pastors who prayed and laid hands, set them apart to do the work of serving for the deacons. Verse 7, and, and this is just, I love this. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith the church grew people were saved why because of the way the church had made some changes and how they established a new structure which i would say certainly the beginning of of deaconing as we would that's that's the idea that's there and and i'll say certainly that is the pattern that we've adopted and there it is Folks, you realize that doing God's church God's way will bring God's results. 
we'll see people coming to Christ. We'll see disciples growing. We've got people now discipling some of our new believers and working with others and spending time growing together and learning. And that's, that's what the church does. That's what the church is about. We're helping each other to grow and to become more like Jesus. Now, these seven men served the widows of the church so that the apostles, again, who were the 12, who were functioning as pastors could give themselves, give attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. You say 12, I thought Judas killed himself. Well, he did. But if you remember back in Acts chapter 1, Matthias was chosen to replace him, so that's where the 12th guy came back in the mix. And they, as pastors, were giving themselves Give attention to prayer and the ministry of the word because now they had men who were serving the widows and carrying on the day-to-day ministry there so that the pastors didn't have to do that. Now that's Acts 6-4, but we also know from Acts chapter 20, which we looked at a few weeks ago, from Ephesians chapter 4, from 1 Peter chapter 5, that talks about the ministry of the elder, the overseer, the pastor, who, as we studied that, we saw that they were one and the same individual. Those words are used interchangeably. And when, when we understand that, and it was their job in those texts, Peter tells us, 1 Peter 5, uh, Luke tells us, Acts chapter 20, as Paul is meeting with the Ephesian elders, and he tells them, here's what you're to do. You are to keep watch over the flock over the church, the body of believers. You're to feed them. You're to guard them. You're to protect them. You're to equip them. You are to oversee the ministry of the body of believers. Oversee the church. You are to lead the church. You men as pastors, as elders, as overseers are responsible to lead the church and that requires time in prayer and in the word. And when we get that right, we'll see God's hand of power and blessing and growth and people coming to Christ and becoming more like Jesus. And deacons can do a lot of serving that will allow the pastors, elders, bishops, overseers to take time in prayer and the Word. Now the bottom line, folks, The Bible doesn't give a lot of specific direction about the responsibility or the function or the the job description, the role of deacons. It really doesn't. say, well, how do we know? Well, we've taken some understanding from 1 Timothy and and some from Acts 6, but... um, we can gain gain some understanding by studying the differences in the job responsibility, the roles of the pastors compared to the deacons and find out then what is it that the pastors are to do and what is it that the deacons are to do. And that, that helps us. That's where we understand what's involved and how we have determined what we know 
the, the, the roles that are mentioned for overseers and deacons are different, and so we can come up with some responsibility, roles that each play. But it seems best to view deacons as servants who do whatever is necessary to then allow the elders to accomplish their God-given calling of shepherding and teaching the church. That's the function of the deacon. Now remember the title overseer as we've looked at that. Found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 2, we looked already, implies general oversight of the spiritual well-being of the church. That's, that's quite a job description. Whereas the title deacon implies one who has a service-oriented ministry. Service-oriented ministry. We desire to be as close as possible to what the Bible teaches about the role of deacons. This means that deacons function as servants rather than decision makers. And as a result, we have identified the following roles, which is not an exhaustive list, in which our deacons will serve. And it's important that we follow God's direction as we think this through because it allows us then to experience His plan for the local church. So the roles that, that we see that are deacons, and again, you're not going to find all of these in Scripture, but the local church, which is what we are, can determine that and figure out, okay, what is it that our deacons can do, need to do to help your pastors be able to give themselves, give attention to prayer and the study of the word. Well, discipleship. We have that happening right now. Some of our deacons involved in the lives of other individuals, believers who are learning and growing in their understanding of Scripture. Member care, that's happening. I shared with you a few weeks ago where Matt and Cindy, uh, who a deacon and his wife ministered to and during Matt's heart surgery and all that was involved. That's what deacons do. Our personnel committee, our team, people who look at how do we, as we met with Stephanie and, and worked through that whole process of hiring her, our missions team who sets up the, the missions budget and those that we're caring for and keeps us in touch so that you see Dr. Heather Fowler up on the screen on Sunday morning this month. Our membership, our deacons fund, our prayer teams, nominating committee, finances, building, grounds, facilities, elderly and shut-ins, our widows, hospital visits, absentee follow-up, community groups and ABF, guest services, just to name a few, is the way in which our deacons can serve to aid, to assist your pastors in the ministry here at Heritage. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I love this statement. They should be deacons. We talked about deacons as serving. We said they should be deacons before they are named deacons. I, I, I just, I think that's an amazing statement. The concept of that. We want somebody who's serving and active who is ready and willing to step in to be a deacon. Deacons must be like Jesus. That's really the bottom line. I shared this quote with you too. There must be something very significant about the deacon's ministry that requires both specific 
elder-like qualifications and verification of such qualifications by the church and its leaders. Not just anyone can be a deacon. And as we understand scripture, it's a significant role that a deacon is given to serve the church by assisting the pastors. We can't do God's church God's way without deacons. Can't happen. And what we see described in Acts chapter 6, if that's deacons or just the first set up model, template, example of what that was to look like. The church wasn't fully, the, 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 as I said, the apostles were called elders, or, or the pastors were called apostles there, because that's what the 12 was. But ultimately, it didn't say the elders got everybody together and said, choose seven men. It said the apostles. But they were functioning as pastors at that point. So I think there's a good chance the word's not used, though but that those men, that was the first model of how pastors and deacons work together in the local church. We need qualified men who are willing to serve and willing to step up the ministry of deacons at Heritage. It's about serving. Our church family needs you men as deacons or part of the ministry won't get done. Because the role and responsibility of our deacons is to serve. And, and it is a, back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 where, where we ended a couple of weeks ago. Um, verses 12 and 13. Well, verse 13. Those who have served well, and it's talking again, following up the context of what a deacon is. Those deacons who have served well gain an excellent standing with God's people in the church and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. There's, there's rewards, blessing for serving well as a deacon. And that's what Paul is saying there in verse 13. And then he goes on and he says, Verse 14, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. And we, that's the theme of 1 Timothy, verse 14 and 15, that God's people will know how to conduct themselves in the household of faith, which we call, which is the church of the living God. That mattered to, to Paul about the church at Ephesus. It matters to God about heritage. That we're functioning in a way that accomplishes God's church, God's way. And not all of you can be deacons. But all of us can serve. All of us have been given an ability to serve. An ability that God will bring success as you use your gift. I challenge you as believers to be serving. I would challenge you men about 
serving as deacons, as you are contacted, as you are asked to serve, so that you can help the ministry of the local church here at Heritage. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, for the great plan that was set up, that was established. Father, in your church, help us to do your church your way so that we can see your results, so that we can fulfill the mission of making disciples of all nations. God, challenge us. Help us, God. I pray that your spirit would bring conviction into our hearts about willingly, selflessly, sacrificially serving God. Oh, Lord, we want to be the church that you have designed us to be. Help us to be willing to serve, and I pray, God, that for those that are being contacted about deacons, that you would stir their hearts about what they ought to do in serving you as a deacon, serving this church and assisting the pastors for the glory of God. For it's in Christ's name I pray.